This is the Two Marketeers podcast, where hosts and marketing experts Sean Patrick and Lindsay Waugh seek to uncover what makes brands so powerful in how they impact modern society and culture. happening outside today don't worry people about it. think it's new spring because it's like 20 degrees go inside it's fall get your spice latte sit down i think we're on Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> hello marketeers i'm cranky sorry hang on our special guest today oh we have a guest who's it going to be hi baby oh Get out of here. He's so dark, you can't see his face. Oh, all you see is his little black puff and a little tongue. This is Nero. Hi, Nero. He's my dog. Nero, welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast. We are going to expect you to promote this episode on your LinkedIn and TikTok. Thank you so much. Oh my God, he probably does so much better on TikTok than me. Dogs of TikTok? That's what, okay. Today, we're going to talk about fur baby mania. The fur baby market. But Take a screenshot. This is Sean with his fur baby. Oh, I wanted my... you to have him in like an outfit. Do you put him in outfits? No, he is wearing a bow tie, which I'm not proud of because when he gets groomed for a million dollars, they provide a free bow tie. So you get a new bow tie every time? A free bow tie every time. I'm going to put him back now. So do you have like a whole jar of tiny bow ties at your house? Like no, I, like we kept it on and then they just switch it. I'm like, well, I am paying a hundred dollars for this. So that's an expensive bow tie for a tiny dog. <laughs> well, he gets a haircut too. <laughs> I was washing. reading something that said that animals feel embarrassed and suffer in silence when you dress them up. Is oh, or, well, I see it a lot when a, an animal, especially bigger breeds, like, um, uh, what are they called? Golden doodles or whatever. I think that's <laughs> German Shepherd? No, Golden, you don't see. So it's the idea of understanding that there's, I think it's ironic that they're called fur babies, but a lot of dogs now and the little ones are hair based. So our little Nero is mm. a Shishon. So he's a Shih Tzu Bichon Frise mix. God bless you. And you uh, <laughs> exactly. And uh, he's hair because I'm allergic to fur or fur dogs. So the hair grows and it needs to be cut. But a lot of dogs like German Shepherds, uh, Retrievers, <clears throat> Golden Labs, they have fur and their hair doesn't grow. It just sheds. I you don't groom them. I've literally <laughs> never heard this before. What are you saying? <laughs> so some dogs are hair dogs and some dogs are fur dogs. Yes. If I could move my forehead, I would be shocked. <laughs> is my shocked face. Wow, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> I've never heard this before that there's hair dogs and fur dogs. I have, okay, this is gonna be an education episode for me. So allergies, I'm very allergic to many things. Really? Um, yeah, and cats, I'm very allergic. Yeah, so when we went through that phase of, okay, we're ready for a dog, which is 
only the beginning of your search for the perfect fur baby. Even that, it was only 10 years ago, he just turned 10, um, was a very different experience than what I think getting a dog or a fur baby is today. Hmm. So he was your first dog ever? Ever. And I never thought we'd have a dog. Hmm. So, Lindsay, can I, can I say what yesterday's conversation was about when I didn't realize that Lindsay's looking for a dog and she was like texting me this weekend going, oh boy, are we going to have fun with these juicy little bits of fur babies and all the research that she'd been doing? And I was like, wow, you're really into this. And then she said, well, didn't I tell you we might be getting a dog? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, then this is going to be really interesting. So I just helped you by saying, wait a minute, there's fur dogs and there's hair dogs. Yeah, literally never knew that before. <laughs> It's we, funny too, because I say like, we're dog shopping. Like, I don't think yeah. you should say dog shopping. Like, do people say, like, it's a, it's a living thing. Like, you can't, do- I don't know. We say we're dog shopping to figure out the best type of dogs for active families and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, even saying like shopping sounds mean. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I totally get what you're saying, but I'm sort of like, clearly... I think we're of a similar mindset in that we believe a dog or a cat, especially a dog, would be a pet. It would be an addition to our, an addition of a pet to our family dynamic. It is not another child. Correct. Okay. So isn't it fair to say shopping is not the wrong term because you have a need or a want you're kind of figuring out what that want is, and it's all about purchasing something. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, you do have to purchase them, yeah. Right? And dogs are mucho dog narrow, okay? (laughs) Yeah, and not just just buying them, right? So there's a lot you have to consider. I mean, the reason we're talking today is around this phenomenon that I think the pandemic has definitely accelerated um but in doing the research i realized that you know 2017 2016 2018 this whole sort of fur baby thing was already a thing oh and yeah i think i think that let's say uh millennials have now surpassed boomers as dog owners and there's something like and correct me if you saw something different i mean the numbers are all over the place but somewhere around half of them are pet owners yeah i think i even saw more like 60 percent or something like that which i was like wow that's a yeah, lot i didn't believe that one i'll take the middle it was like 52 percent, mm. but it's high yeah so that the whole trend of it is something i've seen you know i lived in the city for many years and i remember living we lived in uh the east end of toronto the beaches which was absolutely the perfect place for a dog because you could you know there's lots of parks you can walk along the 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 water the boardwalk all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff and they became kind of like people would call them designer dogs but you had all these dogs and you'd have like sort of clubs or you would know different dogs from the park and dogs were that's how you socialized your dogs that even sounds funny to me socializing your dogs exactly like when i was a kid someone had a dog you'd be lucky if they walked them they let their dogs loose or, yeah, or they, they like they tied them up in like the front a dog yard. House. Dog house. I was talking about this this morning. Dog people. house. It's like when 
our kids don't even know. I, I remember a couple few years ago, I'm like, oh, look, look at the cute doghouse. They're like, what's that? Like, what are you saying? And I'm like, well, a lot of times dogs... I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> I know, but why? Why does the dog need a house? He has a house. I'm like, no, that's my no. house. <laughs> that's exactly with the rich parent thing. You're not rich. <laughs> I'm rich. Okay. You, the dog doesn't have a house. I also, you don't have a house child. I have a house and I let you live there. Yeah. Okay. Also to clarify, I am not rich. <laughs> Just to put a little, little note on that. <laughs> oh, it's the best. So what really spurred this was, um, a few years ago, Lindsay and I worked on this really cool project um for a small business that was launching um a dog training camp or course so mm -hmm. basically it was it was sort of like a it was very high-end uh it had started very word of mouth didn't really have a brand and they were looking to go big and so Lindsay did the deep dive into the research and i was more the front man of how that research translates into a brand and a communication plan we worked on together mm -hmm eye-opening experience it was an eye-opening eye -opening. experience it was very eye-opening to both of us and ever since i did the project i i have this great deck <laughs> if you're if you're thinking now we're doing... going to sell our wares to all of you people so <laughs> if you want to do something with dogs we have the plan for you we got you we got you so in the end, what was really enlightening to us, because I think what Lindsay and I love most about what we do is what we learn through other businesses and the, the projects we work on was all of these millennials, urban millennials especially, had dogs. Mm -hmm. All kinds of dogs. And then, sure enough, very quickly after that, it just continued to grow. And what we had identified is from an online perspective or a digital perspective, there is a huge opportunity to tap into a new market that is millennials that are almost 100% digital who are acquiring dogs. And there's just no sort of offering out there that caters to them. Yeah, their reasoning and their like mindset around pet ownership. It's not even like dog care it's like animal wellness in my interspecies family to help them grow and develop and this is a result of the last week what? of catch up interspecies an interspecies family interspecies family how do we work on our interspecies family dynamics so we can enable all of the species within our family to grow and progress so that's what are you talking about that's inclusivity yeah now it's going to be the animal wellness industrial complex like this is the next version of the wellness industrial complex is shifting towards animals and how we are helping to facilitate their wellness oh my god this is like pet goop called poop <laughs> it's called poop we did an episode on wellness uh, the wellness industrial yeah. complex and it was I, I i say i attacked but i came around goop and gwyneth paltrow which is absolutely sort of a a definite beneficiary to the wellness craze um and it was all about goop but now it's like we're realizing well i bet you if we went back there'd be a pet section and it would be called poop <laughs> i love me a good podcast poop joke that's for sure
PPJ. So anyway. <laughs> Anyways, here we are today because I'm fascinated by what I'm seeing in an industry which is considered pet care, which is looking to grow to like, I'm going to say a bajillion, so I don't have to source it. $40 trillion by 2023 and a half. No. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, all of, if you even just go and read some simple stats around the pet industry, the stats are mind boggling in so many ways. Yes. And this was the way it was the most mind boggling to me. A survey I saw, and I'll post it in the notes, leading, and it's titled Leading US e commerce CPG categories. Okay. So, from an e com standpoint, which is very relevant when we're talking about fur babies. That's a whole mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So this is CPG, consumer package goods, okay? That's everything we buy that comes in a package, okay? Procter & Gamble's, the Unilever's, those sort of things. When you look at all of them, we are not looking at pet categories, okay? Mm -hmm. Number one is vitamins. So the largest amount of CPG product purchased is vitamins. In the U.S. via e-commerce, vitamins. Got it. Number two, pet supplies. They need a lot of stuff, right? N yeah, pet supplies. Number three, pet food. So food is not a supply. So and it, what are it's supplies? important? It's important because based on the trends that are hot, supply is anything you need for your pet. Like you have to, poop bags, like well, shampoo, about, and shampoo or bow ties, like, bow ties, <laughs> bow ties. <laughs> like pet grooming, I guess you'd call would fall on. I don't okay. know. I'm making this up. Number but four, skincare. Number five, coffee. What? It is a head of, this isn't coffee for dogs or skincare for dogs, although I'm sure that's coming. I know right. skincare for dogs is thing. They are number two and three from an e-commerce purchase standpoint. They are number two and three on like, whether it's weight control, cosmetics, fragrances, two and three. Wow. That's big. And the fact that there's two categories. Yeah, like it's even when I was just looking at stats around, obviously the size of the industry is incredible, but then there's so many interesting things you would assume also would be very high, but then are not. So I think okay. with regards to research of the pet industry, there's also, we've talked about the say do gap before mm. where there's the thing people say they will do. And then there's the thing that people actually do in the moment. Right. Um, so I feel like within the pet industry, there's likely a lot of that kind of happening with regards to research as well. So when you look at like if 60% of millennials have a pet as an example, they'd be like, would you buy them organic dog food? Of course I would. I love my fur baby and my interspecies family. Yeah, of course. <laughs> But then when you look at the actual research, it's like 3% of people actually purchase organic dog food. Really? Yes. They say they will do it, but in the moment they do not. So it's a really fascinating, like it's the psychology around pet ownership is very interesting and what people actually do and what they say they will do and how they consider their pets to be involved in their family and their daily lives. Can you talk a little bit about the psychology? Because I know the, there were some juicy bits that... Oh, what was it? It was something about comparing the baby to the child. Like if they were to lose a pet, a fur baby, they would be just as upset as if they lost a child. No, 
even start with me. <laughs> I think the verbiage is so fascinating and everything is obviously very carefully written because the research and articles and things, they are very clear to say, in comparison to my human child, that does not make sense. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it does in an interspecies family. Like, and so, yeah, there's very extreme views. Like some people are obviously like, you can't call something a child that you have not nurtured and cared for in a way for it to leave the nest and go and live its own independent life. Yes. Got it. That's what they said the major distinction is between human children and fur babies is that human children are raised to leave, leave and be successful and we live hope. their own lives and contribute to society. So leave, you know? And actually to take it further, there's that legacy, right? Because then when they leave, your pride changes in what you've created. Right? Yes. Success is I've just created good people who are better than me. I mean, that's what I hope. Mine already are. Like, it's a very low yes. bar. Yes. Me too. And then the diff. So the difference between fur babies is that you raise them to stay. Like, you're there, your companion. You are with them until they pass, like, for their entire lives. And there's a high likelihood, unless you're older, that they will pass before you. And that's the expectation. Whereas right. a child passing before you is the ultimate devastation, you know? So the, the distinction there, I think is really interesting where they that say human children, you raise to leave and fur babies, you raise to stay, you know? Uh huh. So I love that. So anyway, I was, yeah, like you were saying, I was reading more about the psychological, like, why are people doing this? And there's obviously so many factors going on with pandemic, increased urbanization, low birth rates, like all of those different factors are playing into younger generations having pets as fur babies because they're replacing birth and children and progression of life in that way, whereas millennials may not be ready to be taking those steps and, and even younger generations than that, right? So what was the funny thing that we were talking about yesterday with the birth rate? The birth rate is the barometer of despair. And we are facing, apparently, a and barometer he, of despair, are we not? A little yeah, bit? so they say that people who feel, who do not feel optimistic about the future overall will not have children because they do not want to bring children into a world that they don't feel optimistic about, that it's going to be better than it was before. And so that's where they say, like, birth rates are very low birth rate being the barometer of despair <laughs> in people's mindsets can we can we title this for babies are the barometer of despair it's so like sad yeah it's really sad that that's i mean it makes sense though so the and then animal adoption rates and purchase rates i suppose are up right so birth rates are down animals are up so people are clearly still looking to address a source of companionship and fulfillment and feeding loneliness and security in an uncertain world and all of those different psychological elements are leading people to animals as part of their interspecies family versus human children i think what happens is let's talk social media okay because mm -hmm. what happens is 
they become these dogs become they are humanized which is the number one trend happening with dogs right now is they're being humanized in so many ways and that's going on social um and and it is often a projection of how that person wants how that person wants to be perceived as a dog parent mm. which isn't unlike what social is to people with kids yeah you know what's so interesting about that what i was just doing a project for a company that would appeal to um like homeowners and architects and designers and so they were talking about how objects and the home is like a narration of your life. And so I feel like you can draw a parallel to that with pet ownership in that your pets are helping you to tell stories in digital spaces of your life and projecting a life that you want to showcase for yourself as part of this life narrative that you're building. And so it's almost like pet ownership has also become a tool for you to display this narrative of your life online. They've become, we know this, they've become an accessory, especially mm -hmm. when you see social. Mm -hmm. They're entertaining. They give you a reason to not feel like you're sharing your, of yourself other than sharing of yourself through your pet. And it, there's a real comfort there, right? Especially with, with mm -hmm. you know, early on, Lindsay, when we were first doing social media and we we're talking about there was the active participants and then there's the passive ones. And it was mm -hmm. something like a, a 595 split. It allows the more passive ones to feel like they have something to share. Same with the foodie thing, right? Like same, I don't want to share about me, but I'll share about what I'm eating. It'll say something about me. So it's this right. interesting sort of, thing that maybe I can go in really quickly about the, the five top trends. Sure. Humanize, see if I remember them. Humanization, like we talked about, putting our human traits, making human needs, equating mm -hmm. them to the dog, right? But they uh, say that humanization is one of the most detrimental trends to animals. Yes, because it has nothing to do with what the dog truly needs. Even when they say, when you dress them up and they suffer in silence, I was like, oh, how yeah. do you know they're suffering in silence? But a lot of the things I was reading was like, human food is not animal food. Like that's an, a prime example of how it's not good for their digestive system. Like things like that, where it's like humanization of animals is actually very detrimental to an animal. And I'm not an expert, but that's what I've read. The other thing, it kind of ties into what I just said, is premiumization. So the idea mm. of making them feel... I'm saying this is my perspective, making them feel like they should have the best of all of these things. So it's like, uh, and a lot of brands known for other things are now getting into that market. Mm. It's like a, a lazy boy now has dog beds. Ah, right. So it's fueling other markets and it will continue to do so, let alone fashion. I got to believe there's Gucci pet fashion. I got to believe like from, oh, a, yeah. so the whole premiumization is people are buying. It. I remember seeing there was a friend and they had a poodle and we were like, oh, you know, I, I love the collar. And they're like, oh, you know, whatever. Anyways, I don't know how we found out the collar was $2,000. Stop it. Get out of town. Do Birkins have duck collars? That's my learning. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it. 
See, the premiumization, I, the humanization, I was like, not healthy. Ooh, yeah. Premiumization, I can slightly get behind. But, like, if people are spending $2,000 on a collar, it seems excessive. It seems excessive. Okay, the third one. So we've done humanization, premiumization, digital disruption, e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So now, the way I buy food for a lot of people, especially these millennials who are pushing it the most direct to consumer, right? Mm-hmm. It's hot, like direct consumer, regular yeah. replenishment. It makes perfect sense. And the thing I was reading about purchasing habits was that there's no, uh, like playbook now, whereas before people would be like, oh, I shopped in store always. Cause I went to my pet food store and I picked it up. And then I did hundred percent digital during, uh, COVID and now Sometimes they do curbside, sometimes they do in-store, sometimes I order it online. Like it's very hard to say and people's preferences change all the time based on season and how busy they are. And like they actually use such a different variety. So it's hard to track down exactly how people are shopping for pet food. Right. Good point. Here's another one. Functional food benefits for pet well-being. Hmm. So targeting or sourcing specific ingredients to address specific needs of, of your pet, like heart health or digestive issues. They've got dry skin, so they need an omega supplement or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And last but not least, and I didn't say these in order, which is an interesting one, is sustainability. So packaging, and we all know packaging is one of the best ways to drive up the premium perception of your brand but to have sustainable, not only in the packaging, but in the ingredients. Okay. And people will pay it. It all comes together to a point where people will pay top dollar for the things that they buy for their pets. Right. But these are all things that I think knowing people who, like you said, Lindsay, thinking about getting a dog, I think what happened, and there are some negative sort of ramifications of what happened, people didn't take the time to really understand what the function of the dog had to be, or they were very focused on just what the dog needed to do for them at that time during COVID in isolation. Well, that's like people have gotten COVID dogs and now they're like, I can't go back to, I know we're going return to office, but I can't go because my dog will have constant anxiety attacks because I'm not here. Yeah. Like, even if you had a dog that could have been left alone, I think back to your point of like so- socialization and how they've been raised in the last few years, it's like you now can't leave them, even if it was a certain type that you could have left them in, in the past. No. So um, point of that being one thing that's happening is people are going back to work because mm-hmm. nice to say everyone has the choice to say, I can't go back. My dog will have anxiety, but let's be honest. That's not the work the, the standard workplace environment. Um, right. what's happening though, because of that case is there's a lot of puppies hitting, hitting humane society and, and I know. needing to be adopted. And there's a lot. And that's so- why it's like, you need to wait until like, for us, it's like, we need to wait until it's a really it's a great time because I'm, I have such a high priority for making sure that I'm a proper pet owner. That's not getting in over my head and not able to treat them as they should be treated. I think the number one reason for purchasing a pet was to beat loneliness over a lot. Like, and that loneliness, the world is changing to a point where they, they have to go back to work. And then they're like, 
oh crap, what do I do with this dog? And you know where we work, Lindsay, I was a proponent to dogs are not allowed. And I, and mm-hmm. it was because my observation as a leader was that there are a lot of people of other cultures or even our culture who are terrified of dogs. A lot of people are terrified of dogs. And in the workplace, that has to be addressed because everyone has the right to feel safe. So whatever happens next will be very interesting. Yeah. So Lindsay, any parting thoughts or nuggets of wisdom before we go? Like we always talk about culture, human experience, society, what's going on. If you're a brand in this market or a brand looking to address consumers who are pet owners, that mindset is so critical. Like what are they going through? Why are they in this position? Why have they decided to become a pet owner? Do they consider it a fur baby? What are these trends that Sean's been talking about, premiumization and humanization and all of these things that you could think about and lean into and leverage as you're starting to talk to people in this industry. So absolutely. I think it's going to be interesting what happens in this market um, with all the change that's about. And I look forward to seeing some of the innovations and some of the new trends we're going to see out there. And, you know, we'll stay on top of it. Do you think we should do another pet project? (laughs) Maybe they'll pay this time. We have to find someone who will pay. Sounds sort of tough. Well, I think there we'll wrap it up. Uh, And Lindsay, do keep us posted on your dog shopping and let's call it what it is. Have a lovely day. Go take your pooch out for a little stroll. I am actually. He's due. So everyone, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you, Lindsay. Great, great conversation. See you soon. See you soon. Bye, Marketeers. Thanks for listening to the Two Marketeers podcast. New episodes launch every two weeks. Find the Two Marketeers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you like to listen. And be sure to rate and subscribe. Listen on our website, thetwomarketeers.ca, or you can ask Alexa to play the Two Marketeers podcast. Want to keep in touch? Follow the Two Marketeers on LinkedIn or at Two Marketeers on TikTok. We've always got something to share. This podcast is over.